Yeah, 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 yeah. It's what up, RG? Y'all, what's good? It's your boy, Yard Swift. Hey, yo, what's up? It's your girl, Erica Mason, aka Miss Pretty and Radical. Yo, 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 this your boy E Hud, God's MC, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. Peace. I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'ma make a toast, cause we still alive. No big, I feel like Pac. I shoot a shot. I'm coming in hot. Hey, how you doing? This is Rick Sincere with MTNV Sports. So happy um, to be here today with a new friend of mine, a pretty good friend, by the way. Actually, uh, we met at Podfest uh, Expo. I had a chance to um, meet this guy named June Han. He was really, really cool. He's a master networker. Um, he heard about some of the things that we're, we were doing over here at MTNV Sports, and he was like, man, I have to let you meet my friend. Um, she is, um, she's really into sports psychology and things of that nature, and and she would be a great guest on your show. I got a chance to talk to her, and within the first few minutes, I'm like, look, I have to have you on the show. We have to talk, uh, and I have to kind of bring you you know, into my world and let the people who listen to our podcast know who you are, understand your story, and your current role in sports. And so I'm very happy to have uh, Wendy Hart on the line today. Uh, Wendy, how are you doing? I'm great, Ernest. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Yeah, we are super geeked. Um, so I just want to let's go ahead and hop in. Let's jump into um, your overall story right now. Based on what we talked about, you play a very unique role in the world of sports. I mean, it's very, very unique, right? You're assisting athletes in a very specialized manner. So please tell us what is your role, right? And, and how are you supporting athletes? Yes, I'm a professional performance coach and I help athletes with the mental side in a very unique and unusual way. So I assist them in state maintenance, that is attenuating their nervous system to be able to calm down after they've had a bad play or a bad shot and get into a zone more often than you would think is possible so that they can play at peak performance as best they can as much of the time as is possible. And as I said, when things go a little off kilter, return back to center quickly, especially under pressure. Uh, it's a specialty, and it's just working out extraordinarily well. Also, what type of athletes are you serving right now? Well, golf specifically. It's the kind of thing that maps over to most other athletes, but golf in particular is a really easy sport to track and get really clear by numbers how well they're doing from day to day and to watch progress and to see how well it's going. Plus, golf is the sport that has probably the most pressure uh, with the athlete right there. It's between you and the ball, and a lot of people are standing around watching, staring at you. So there's a different kind of pressure than team sports or when you're uh, with a group playing. So it's very interesting to watch all that. And, yeah, I've had extraordinary success. And the funniest bit is that I don't actually golf. But I came from a world where it was required that I learned the kind of sneaky brain hacks and brain science uh, to become healthy myself and get out into the world and do what I do. And then I found out almost by accident that this works extraordinarily well with athletes. Okay, so you said almost by accident. What led to your role? Like, what led to this um, business that you now have or this way that you assist athletes? Well, it's, it's really funny and a pretty circuitous story. The truth is, is that I came from a home where there was a lot of domestic violence. My folks were mentally ill and 
basically we were just too colorful for the Jerry Springer show. If you happen to be an American listening to this, it was almost too much for reality TV. And by rights, I shouldn't have really made it out of that household. I should have become addicted to something or, um, you know, just been sort of on the side of the road. And, and none of that stuff happened because I was committed to finding a way through. I remember being young and thinking, if I ever figure out how to grow up and get out of here, I'm going to learn what allows people to thrive and be happy and be their best. So help me. And then I'm going to share it with people. And that's what I did. And I had to go on a really weird quest to study brain science and um, hypnosis and psychology and uh, you know neurobiochemistry and all kinds of stuff. Basically, I geeked out on it. And in college, while other kids were going to parties, I was reading psych abstracts and science in the library, You know, trying to figure all this stuff out. And over time, many, many years, but over time, I was able to change my hair trigger nervous system responses that were so skewed towards startle responses and not being able to be calm under pressure. And I was able to change that and then use it in my life. And I, I was a singer. So, so far from the world of athletics, I was a dancer, but I, I was a singer and I was singing in Chicago with a lot of stage fright. And then when this cleared and I was able to be calm under pressure, I coached like 300 other singers, which was great, who also had stage fright. But, you know, Ernest, we were all broke. <laughs> we were broke together. And I was like, wow, I got to find a different population because I'm sure that this would help other people. So I, I don't golf, didn't golf back when this started, but I called around and said, who knows a golfer who would just give anything to drop their score? I bet this would work. And I was referred to uh, a guy, a, a wonderful um, high school principal at the time across the country. We never met in person. And in a short amount of time, he was a golfer who had always been stuck at 90. He just could not drop his score after 20 years of trying and regular lessons. And in a short number of weeks, he dropped nine strokes to be playing at 81. And then over four months, he was a nearly scratch golfer. So that began the knowing that this could work for golfers. And then right after that, his course pro called me. And in five phone calls, that gentleman broke a 35-year record in the PGA. He got the lowest score in relation to par of any course pro since 1969 using these sneaky brain hacks. So it was kind of exciting. And then it just took off from there. Oh, that's incredible. Um <laughs> No, it really is. Our our athletes generally, um, you know, when when they talk to you, are they they kind of hey, is this something that they want to do discreetly, or is this something that they're sharing with everybody? Very discreetly, particularly in the world of golf. You know, and I used to take that kind of personally, but I am a performance coach, and how I've done this for eighteen years, and I've worked with thousands of people all around the world. A lot of women entrepreneurs. So the whole world of men not sharing it surprised me because women share every good resource that they get, right? But I had a colleague who is a relationship researcher and coach, and she let me know about testosterone's effect on the brain and kind of how men as a gender have evolved since caveman days. And what I learned was that men conceal their best secrets. They also conceal their weaknesses so a competitor can't have the advantage, and they conceal the best things that they find because they also don't want to share that competitive edge. And now that I understand that, that it's really a strength for men to want to conceal the things that they have, 
um, I don't take it personally anymore. But we certainly do have testimonials from some people who say, oh, what the hell, I'm, I'm willing to share this, you know, and it's quite exciting. The stories are, are really rather crazy. Awesome. So, so if you, so some people are willing to share, some people do give testimonials. Um, do you have some, some, you know, people who you've helped out, some golfers that you helped out that, sure. that you could talk about? Oh, I'd be happy to. Well, I should, I should start with that story about Chip Sullivan, the course pro, because that was really funny. So I was, I was working with Alan, the principal who had been, again, going to this, uh, resort ashley plantation in virginia for many years trying 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 desperately playing three times a week and having all these lessons and couldn't couldn't make a difference and then when his his scores began to drop so spectacularly and he was enjoying golf more and he was calm under pressure his course pro called me and you know i didn't know him so i pick up the phone one day and he says this is chip i'm alan's pro and what the hell are you doing with him you know i cannot understand this he's never played so well in his life and so we went around and I explained it was about the nervous system and it was brain hacks and it had nothing to do with swing thoughts or top brain mental uh, analytics. It was really about getting his body to respond naturally and creating the conditions so the flow states could come, happen more often. And he said, well, I want you to do that for me. And I've got an exemption into the PGA. And I said, whistling straights, isn't that like right around the corner? And he said, yes, three weeks. <laughs> I laughed because I said, no, no, no. My program is four months. It's a series of a dozen phone calls, three a month over four months, so that we can get your body to know what it's like when you're calm. And then it's really easy to map it over when it's under pressure. He's like, well, I don't have that kind of time. And so I did it as a gamble. And we had five phone calls. And he was under the worst pressure of his life. His sister was dying that week in the 2004 PGA. She ended up passing away of a rare liver disease or blood disease uh, about a week and a half later. His wife was about to give birth. She, she was too pregnant to come to Whistling Straits, and his father-in-law was his caddy. So it was pressure all around. He actually had the best short game of his life up to that point under the worst pressure of his life. And after that got a little bit of press, I started to get calls from other people like uh, Larry, who owned a chemical company, and he just was the guy, he just wanted to put two good rounds together, you know, in a row and get his score out of the 90s. And he was absolutely blown away. In eight phone calls, he got all of his goals and more. Or there's Dick, who is a 75-year-old airline pilot who flew for United for 35 years and only took up golf eight years uh, before I started to work with him. And his score used to just wildly go all over the place from the high 90s up to 108. He just felt terrible about it because he was so, so used to winning in every area. And that's the people that come to me are used to winning kind of in every area. And they cannot believe how terrible it feels to have golf be so inconsistent. And with just uh, as, as we do a, a dozen phone calls, he dropped down to the mid 90s and lower, but everything else in his life changed too. So there are so many ancillary benefits in addition to golf score that um, it's it's pretty thrilling for me to be able to provide these results with my clients. When your clients talk about the benefits that um, benefits that they get from spending time with you in these sessions, you say you have about a dozen sessions or so. What are some of the things that they highlight the most? Like this is some of the these are the big benefits that they got from being with you. Well, that's the funniest bit, because when I first start with them, Ernest, uh, golfers will 
pretty much give an appendage. They would do anything to have their score get better, their score drop. And what I find is that that changes so quickly for so many people that very quickly in the coaching, sometimes within a month, they say, wow, I, I don't care about that anymore. That's already happening. It's already, you've already exceeded my expectations. My score is better. But what's blowing my mind is that I'm sleeping better. My wife is talking to me more. My teenage kid is talking to me. So the tension sort of leaves the family. There's a stress relief that occurs. Confidence naturally goes up when that stress goes away. and You don't have to worry about your lizard brain taking over or the reactive mode of your nervous system kicking in. So there's a quiet, calm confidence that happens. And for my clients that are business owners, their sales all go up. So I'm very used to this. I've, as I said, I've, I've coached for 18 years and I have clients, entrepreneurial clients on six continents. I've served thousands of them all around the world. And uh, very often money goes up because when you attend to these places where there's been sort of a deep uh, nervousness on the inside, like, wow, can I count on myself? Can I count on my body? It's kind of like the, the ground is shifting underneath your feet. And when we provide this little bit of information and brain training and nervous system regulation for each client, so much happens because you feel like the ground underneath you is solid in a way that it's never been there before. You can count on yourself in a way that you've never known before. So the results that happen, the benefits that occur are myriad in a variety of places. And that um, that's consistent for all the clients that I've served. So if somebody is in a slump, like a golfer is in a slump, they can come to you to get out of that. Oh, yeah. And it's wild because most people, when they're in a slump, they feel kind of cursed. <laughs> and they feel like it's going to stay forever. That's the nature of the mind, that when we're in a bad place, we uh, or a any kind of a place, we're convinced it's going to stay that way forever. And there's a despair that can kick in because you don't know how to get yourself out of it. And what I'm so happy about is that it's just a little tweak. It's not a big, giant undertaking. When people get this bit of information that they should have gotten in their eighth grade science class, except it wasn't available when we were kids in eighth grade, you know, it's newer science. When they find out that more is in their control about being able to be calm under pressure or not take it so personally, not make it mean something in the moment, and they're able to turn it around in the moment, they absolutely can get out of a slump. And then that really changes everything. And I should, I should tell you, Ernest, that this stuff that I'm doing now is quite unique, even though the brain science has happened in the last dozen years or so, and lots of people are looking through the neuroscience lens to attend to athletics. Because of my unique and strange background, I really looked under every rock for obscure tools to figure out what the heck would allow me to thrive and be happy. And I went to some really crazy places. I flew to Europe. I, I, I studied with all kinds of people. And what I discovered was that nothing by itself actually worked. Nothing. Nobody's program, nobody's therapy. I got benefit from all kinds of things, but nothing work, worked whole cloth. But I am a great cherry picker if nothing else. And I figured out how to glean the little bit that worked from over here and the little bit that worked from over there and put them together in a new recipe. So this stuff that I'm doing with athletes is not used by any other coach alive. I'm quite clear because I've put very disparate 
uh, hard to find unique tools together in a new way that's allowing something to work uh, spectacularly well. So blowing my own horn there a little bit, but uh, you can't get this anyplace else. Well, look, I'm about to figure out how much you can blow your horn. So here we go. So (laughs) (laughs) you have a fee associated with your services. um, But according to what we talked about, you offer a money back guarantee, right? What is your guarantee um, to your golf clients? What is is that, right? And And why are you so sure that your methods, whenever they're applied, they'll absolutely work? Yes. I know it sounds a little crazy, but we have a 100% money back guarantee. So what my claim is that if you currently shoot in the 80s or the 90s and you're a coachable person, I guarantee to take off five strokes or more within a dozen phone calls. We don't even need to meet. And if that doesn't happen, your money back in full. And I'm not inexpensive, so uh, it's it's sizable to work with me, but that's a complete predictable result. And the reason that I know it's true is that A, no one's ever asked for their money back, ever. And B, I have now worked, as I said, with thousands of clients on six continents. And whether it's athletics or it's business or sales, the same things apply. And I've just had this ground of being knowledge in my bones after, you know, doing way more than 10,000 hours of coaching in my life, there's a competence and a confidence and a clarity that shows up that if someone actually really wants that result, if they're really willing to have it happen, I can help them get that result. So I always begin with a 10 to 15 minute free consultation to make sure that we're a good coaching fit. And then people do a one session with me, a 90-minute diagnostic best mental golf map-out session to see exactly where they are and where their strengths and weaknesses are and then what a plan would be specific to them that could get them rapid improvement. And then then we do our the program. So I only take on clients that there's a fit. And frankly, I'm so busy with my you know my worldwide business and speaking schedule and all the things that I do on the business side that I do this for fun, right? I never take more than a few clients at a time for private uh, golf coaching. But, um, you know, when there's an opening and there's a good fit with somebody, then I, then I take them on and they can get their results. And it, it does change kind of everything in their life. So that makes me happy. Wow. So you're, you're like, if you were batting and batting at a hundred percent, basically like you're, you're knocking everything out of the park, no refunds, nobody at all. No, no, nobody's asked, but that's because I, you know, some people might, you know, people try and game your system or do something or, but I just always have a, a, a session first, not a session, even just a meeting to see if we should go into that first 90 minute diagnostic session. And we both are clear, like I don't take on anybody just because they want to come. It has to be somebody that's coachable. And that means there's a sincere effort to really want to do the best that they can. They really have a desire to grow. And there has to also be a willingness to not need to figure it all out. Men tend to be a little more analytical than women. That's a gross generalization. But that, again, is the effect of testosterone on the brain. And that hurts, Wendy. That really hurts. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, no, you're a really – I don't mean it in a bad way. I don't mean it at all. It's a strength. You're a very loving and you deeply feeling kind of guy, Ernest. But but what what I know is I work with the unconscious mind a lot and the nervous system, the brain and the body. So it's it's this is a pretty good analogy. What I see in mental golf coaching now 
is way too much focus on the top brain, on your prefrontal cortex, trying to analyze and break apart what are you doing wrong with your swing, what's happening, keep your head down, put your shoulder here, swing like this, what's the plane there, there's so much in the, the top brain, and there's a short amount of time where you need to pay attention to that when you're in the learning curve. So I can only work with somebody, as I said, that's already shooting in the 80s or the 90s because you have to have some, you know, uh, competency with your swing. However, once that's really in your bones, to try and be thinking, going to your top brain, your analytical, logical side of your brain while you're playing golf gets in the way of those flow states and your nervous system delivering the magic that can happen in your body when things go well. So it's interesting. I, I heard a great analogy the other day about imagine if you were driving your car at a good speed and you had to take a curve pretty quickly. If you did that and you stopped responding to the road and the conditions kind of on autopilot, but you actually tried to go to your top brain and think, well, I've got to move my left hand up a little and move my right hand down a little as I take this right hand turn and I've got to move my shoulder forward, you'd crash the car. You know, it would all uh, uh, go to hell, basically. So what if there's a way to allow your nervous system and your unconscious mind and the autopilot parts of your body that move so beautifully to be at their best when you're in your sport and you didn't impede that with top brain analysis. And that's part of what happens in my program. So the people that are best to work with me have to just try it on. I have to say, look, this might sound really odd to you, but if you're willing to suspend needing to figure it all out or understand why it works and just go with my guarantee, it's kind of why I offer this 100% money back guarantee, just go with it and, and don't try and figure it out, just do it. Then um, the results will speak for themselves, right? And then you'll discover what else is possible? Wow! Fun. Yeah, that's 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 crazy. Um, a lot, not a lot of people put a lot of stock, I guess, um, in neuroscience as it relates to um to certain sports. And I think mm -hmm. it's a it's a much different way to treat an athlete or to help an athlete break out of something or, or break out of a slump in that particular case. So yes. that is that is awesome. Now I I kind of get why this may work in golf, right? It's somewhat of a singular activity, you and the ball, right? Um, and making sure that, you know, you can possibly get the best out of your overall swing. But would you recommend your service um, to, like, you know, other athletes in other sports, like maybe football, MMA, things like that? Could this possibly work for them, too? Could you service them at, at all? I absolutely could. And particularly for somebody like MMA because it's one opponent against another opponent or a baseball player who's got at-bats because that certainly matters. A little trickier for football because there's kind of that hive mind happening in football, which is really beautiful, right? So they're really used to just responding and going, not going so much to the top brain. And I think nobody is really playing pro ball as a football player if they don't already have a lot of facility with this. But if a pro, if a football player were in a slump, oh heck yeah, we could we could totally we actually we could do it for any athlete. It's just one of the wonderful things about golf is that people just know they know how much of a mental game it is. As I mentioned, there are spectators in tournament play that are watching, so that's an extra level of 
attention on you that can really mess with uh, beliefs and the mind and your ability to do as well as you did on the practice range, right? So um, it's interesting. But if you think back to pro athletes on a team, like if you if you even think back in the day of Michael Jordan going down the court and he'd just get that ball and he would leap into the air and his tongue would be hanging out, you know what I mean? And his body would just make a gyration and he'd make the basket. He wasn't thinking with his top brain. There was no Im- impediment of critical thinking in the analytical side, right? He was just in that flow state using his natural ability and genius and making those shots, and you could see it. You could see it in the body, and that's something that you see all the time with uh, team players in the moment that they're carrying the ball. That's the place that we can really make it happen the best. Does that I, make sense, Ernest? Yes, yes, and I think I really um, get it to this point. Um, so sometimes maybe to the golfer, maybe the move or the swing is a little robotic or becomes a little robotic or something they have to think about and process. Um, mm-hmm. But for other athletes, like you mentioned Jordan, he's not thinking about that. He's just moving and, and he's right. like, he's moving in full confidence and you can see it. Yes. And you want to yes. get golfers to be able to do the same things or athletes who are kind of, you know, I have to kind of fight through something in order to get to that place. You want to get them to that place where they're just moving freely, almost reactionary. Exactly. Exactly. Or rather than reactionary, I would say responding. That's okay. a beautiful place that we want to be. Reactionary is a good word, but it also is connected to your lizard brain. So when you have a bad shot, all of a sudden there's a knee jerk reaction and it tends to be a big explosion in the brain. You know, you're having lots of neurotransmitters, neurochemicals happening in that moment and then it kind of rattles people and then they're responding to all that change in their physiology if you could the moment that happens switch it begin to switch it so a couple moments later in the midst of play you could calm your nervous system down and not have it mean anything and not be thinking oh no here it's all going to go downhill from here you know usually people go down a bad rabbit hole and they're not able to dig themselves out they have one bad shot then they have another bad shot and all of a sudden the whole thing cascades down. I've seen That's this. The, you've seen this, right? Yes. This, this is the biggest thing that I do because we don't expect you never to have a bad shot again. The biggest place that mm, changes everything is the ability to turn it around when you've had a bad shot. Because when you're golfing, things are out of your control. Uh, the speed of the greens, the, the the wind that day, you know, there's there's stuff you're in control of and stuff you're not in control of. And we're all going to have bad shots. But if in that moment you can change it and you don't have the old pattern, the old habituated nervous system response, and then everything that you make it mean, that's your unconscious mind that sends you down a rabbit hole, making worse and worse and worse chemicals through your brain and your body, when you can stop that process and turn it around, uh, man, not only do scores go down and excellence goes up, but confidence goes through the roof. There's a there's a way that a man in particular gets to feel like a man when he doesn't have that thing, feeling like he's undercutting him, like everything's always left to chance. You're able to embrace how life is at chance. Shots are either good or they're not good. But in that moment when you know you're going to be okay no matter what happens and be able to turn it around quickly, man, the world becomes your oyster. It's pretty fun. Wow. So 
Wendy, I need you to just do this for the people who are listening right now. Um, maybe there's a golfer out there who's listening. Maybe there's somebody um, who plays baseball. Maybe he's in a bit of a slump. Maybe there's just somebody who's out there who just so happened to, you know, fall upon this podcast and they want to know where to reach you. Where can they find you? How can they get in contact with you? Can you help us with that information? Happy to. They can head right on over to yourbestmentalgolf.com. And even if you're not a golfer, if you uh, are an athlete in some other sports uh, sport, you could just put in the contact information, do the contact us page, and reach out to me. And I'm happy to have a quick, free phone consultation and see how I might be able to assist. Happy to do that because the sky is the limit. I, as I mentioned, I shouldn't be here. I should either be dead, addicted to drugs, a sex worker, or with a guy that beats me. And none of that happened. And instead, I've been able to serve all these people all over the world with my cherry-picked recipe of crazy things that work. And in this one-on-one process, this is the best way to really have it work for each athlete because we create a an individualized program based exactly where they are and where they want to go and what's the quickest path to having that happen. So yourbestmentalgolf.com and just uh, reach out to us and I'm, be ha- I'm happy to connect and see how I'm we might be able to work together. Awesome. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate it, Wendy. Thank you, Ernest. It's been great to spend this time with you. Absolutely. Hey, listen, if you're out there and you want to get um, in contact with Wendy, you heard the contact information, go ahead and use it. Um, you know, reach out to her and see if there's some way that you, you could possibly, you know, improve yourself. Um, if you're listening to this podcast and you love what you're hearing, here's what I need you to do. Go to um, iTunes. You're already on MTNV Sports, so got that covered, right? Just go ahead and give us that five-star rating. If you're going to do anything less than that, feel free to just DM us, right? I Send us a message and tell us the things you want us to improve, and we'll do that. And then um, you can go back and give us that five-star rating. Anyway, man, thank you so much for joining us. I truly appreciate it, and y'all have a great day. God bless. I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'm going to make a toast because we still alive. No big... I feel like Pac. I shoot a shot. I'm coming in. Coming in. This is Andrew Brown with the North Florida Tigers prep program, and you are listening to me on MTMV. Support the podcast whenever you can. Listen as much as you can, and share as much as you can. Hey, we're super happy to be talking to expert NBA analyst Chris Broussard, founder of the King Movement. Chris, what is the King Movement and what are some major events coming up soon? King Movement, King is an acronym that stands for Knowledge, Inspiration, and Nurture Through God. It essentially is a Christian men's movement, a national Christian men's movement. I want to invite all the men out to the King Summit, the fifth annual King National Summit. The theme this year is return to royalty because we as men need to return to being the royal priesthood that God has called us to be. And so I want to invite all men out there uh, to come check it out. Young men, older men, it's going to be a Friendship Baptist Church. We're going to have great, inspiring praise and worship. We're going to have enlightening workshops and breakout sessions. We're going to have... Uh, great prayer, great celebrity speakers and guests. Uh, and we're also going to have a three-on-three basketball tournament 
that anyone can play in. Please go register at kingmovement.com. That's kingmovement.com as soon as possible. It is March 28th through the 31st, 28th through the 31st. Hey, thank you, Chris. That is in Atlanta, Georgia. Man, look, if it's anything like the huddle, you will not want to miss this event. Go register right now, right now at kingmovement.com. All right, welcome in to Bronx Farmers Beat. I am, of course, Nate Shelton. It is opening day. Hopes abound for every team in Major League Baseball. Everybody starts out in first place. Everybody has playoff aspirations and World Series dreams. Unless, of course, you're the Baltimore Orioles who are in full rebuild mode and are fielding what amounts to a double-A roster um, and Major League team. They get to start the season against our beloved Yankees. And it was what you would expect on opening day from New York and what they should do. Masahiro Tanaka made his opening day start in place of Luis Severino with that shoulder injury on the disabled list. He was able to go five and two-thirds innings, had five strikeouts, dig up one run, one unearned run. So a very solid start for him. For Masahiro Tanaka, of course, he got that lights-out bullpen. They did their thing coming in the sixth inning. Ottavino made his Yankees debut, pitched an inning and a third, had three strikeouts, just beautiful work from him. The Yankees getting exactly what they paid for from him. The highlight, of course, was Luke Voigt hitting that first inning three-run home run after Judge and Stanton had back-to-back singles in the first inning. Kind of broke things open, and that was all the Yankees were going to need in this one. He also had a sacrifice fly in the third inning. Also was hit by a pitch and had two walks, so he was on base every time he got up to the plate today. And Greg Bird was able to hit a solo home run in the seventh inning for the cherry on the ice cream. And this beautiful start for the Yankees. Exactly what you want to see from them coming in to opening day. You're playing against a very bad rebuilding team. You do what you got to do. Don't make it look harder than it is. I mean, there was it's opening day, so there were some mistakes. Andahar had a throwing error. And speaking of Andahar, he was one for three. But twice came short, just feet short of home runs. So he's already making solid contact and picking up where he left off last season as well. But the nice thing today was seeing Stanton batting and looked so relaxed and comfortable at the plate as opposed to last year where he looked a little lost and not quite sure what to expect. But this year, this is year two in the American League year two in New York. He knows what to expect and what the expectations are. I felt he looked really relaxed and comfortable at the plate. He had two walks, was one for three with a single, but just he knew what he was looking for and he wasn't chasing stuff, which is a whole lot different than last year with Giancarlo Stanton. Aaron Judge, of course, the injury shortened season he had last year with that bone chip in his wrist. Had back-to-back singles to start off his season. Was two for three with a walk. So he looks ready to go. No rest from him. Up and down this lineup is just 
really scary. Sanchez did have a hit. You figure he's going to bounce back and have, I mean, it cannot be any worse than the season he had last year where everything just snowballed, could never get healthy. His defense held back his offense. So look to see better things from him this year. He looked a whole lot better. He looks in shape as opposed to last year. He looked kind of soft in areas, if you will. And just we expect a whole lot better from him mentally. He looks like he's fresh and ready to go. So if his offense can go, that'll help him relax behind the plate. He doesn't have to be a gold glove catcher. doesn't have to be... Yvonne Rodriguez back there, just be serviceable like we hope that Andahar will be at third base and Sanchez will do, do just fine. But you look at that lineup yesterday, they let off, of course, with Brett Gardner. He looked a little, I mean, he's getting up there in years, but he did have a single, was on base a couple times. Aaron Judge, then Stanton back to back, which is just scary if you're a pitcher. Then behind him, you have Luke Voigt at DH. And then Andahar, Sanchez, Greg Bird, Glaber Torres, and then Tulowitzki. It's just relentless with this potential Yankees lineup for this season. So this offense could be even scarier than they were last year. And they had 100 wins with a lot of different injuries from people. So I do expect to see... Talkman at one point in this series to give Gardner some rest. He'll play center field. He's a good outfielder, just has no bat whatsoever. Um, he will probably only be around for a couple weeks. I imagine once Aaron Hicks gets back, probably would see Clint Frazier, I imagine, here soon if he can continue to prove he's got a hot bat. He was 5 for 5 in his minor league debut, so if he can set the minor leagues on fire show the Yankees they can't keep him down there for much longer. He could potentially take uh, Talkman's spot in the outfield until Hicks gets back, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, we said CC Sabathia was suspended for the first five games of the season, but he's also injured, so they have him on the roster so he can get the suspension out of the way. Then he will go back on the injured list and get back into major league form shape and be ready to go all accounts it seems like he'll probably be the first one back off the injury list when he's ready uh, after his suspension Lois Siegel will take his spot in the rotation until he is back from the injury list he has had a good spring Domingo Herman has had a good spring Luis Sessa also had a good spring as well of course for him it's been mentally looks like he could be a key piece in the bullpen this year could be that potential lights out light clicks guy for you that just kind of all comes together for him if he gets an inning or two out of him from the bullpen that's going to be really good because anything after that hitters just tee off of him he's just not a long-term starter so you could see Luis Sessa getting some relief work this season as well but all in all obviously a great start to the season for the Yankees winning seven to two uh, it also helped that the Red Sox lost their opener in Seattle against the Mariners. Chris Sale went only lasted three innings, gave up seven runs, and a 12-4 loss. And, of course, with that bullpen that they had last year, they're going to need all the innings they can get from their starters. And that wasn't the case yesterday as Chris Sale got 
roughed up early and often and was not a factor. So if you're a Yankees fan, that makes you happy. But you also got to remember it's the first game of the season. There's 161 more to go. And it's a marathon. Long way to go, but anytime Gris Sale gets beat up in a start, it makes makes Yankee fans laugh, especially after he signed that five-year extension. <clears throat> uh, could possibly become an albatross for the Red Sox, as he is not getting any younger, and is probably, in fact, on the backside of his prime. So, uh, I personally would love to see that that contract for Chris Sale kind of become a problem for the Red Sox, and they're looking to bail him out, bail him on to some other team <clears throat> here in the near future. So, like I said, it was a great win for the Yankees. They will resume again on Saturday against the Baltimore Orioles after a day off. Possibly we could see Glaber Torres playing shortstop on Sunday with giving Tulowitzki a break, and then that would bring in LeMahieu to play second base. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. And so, a lot of different things. This Greg Bird and Luke Voigt, 1-2 punch, first base and DH. They talked that, that probably would not have two first basemen on the roster, but with the injuries right now to Aaron Hicks and Ellsbury, you play Stanton in the outfield. If he can stay healthy, I mean... How do you, if Luke Voigt is hitting the ball, how do you keep him one out of the lineup? And if Greg Bird is hitting, like, like he could potentially be and has been in the spring, I mean, it makes more sense to have Greg Bird play first base. He's a slightly better defensive player and have Luke Voigt be the DH. It'll just be kind of interesting to see how things play out for the season. If the Yankees keep their word and say they're not going to have two first basemen, or if they will in fact keep them both on the roster, on the big league roster, for the whole season. But well, it's a long way to go. We'll see how everything turns out. And looking forward to game two on Saturday. James Paxton gets the start, his Yankees debut. Of course, the Yankee fans would love to see a six inning outing from him with, you know, a shutout perfect. But we just want to see the big maple out there, with, see that new acquisition, and see what he's going to do for the team going forward. We will pick it back up next week on Bronx Bombers Beat, and we'll see how the Yankees have been doing.